assignment today is to bring you the first message in our new series called One Mission. One Mission. I'd like to start the sermon today with a question. What happens when you die? Consider in, in yourself, think about this one question. What happens when you die? If someone were to ask you that, then what would you say? Well, if you can answer that question pretty quickly with an understanding of what the Scripture says, then God bless you. I'm excited for you. However, if there's any confusion or any doubt for you in that question, then I would encourage you today then that you would listen closely to this message for the next few moments. Because what happens when you die is one of two things, eternal judgment and damnation or eternal life with the Father in heaven. And there is no in-between. There is no purgatory. There is no soul sleep. You are still very much alive after this life is over. And it's not just for a few years. It is for all of eternity. Now, the reason why that, that question is so very important to us today is that there are millions upon millions upon millions of people that have no answer to that question. I have seen many times over the years that parents who are okay with not knowing the answer to that question, saying things like, well, they're with the angels, or they're in a better place, or they were so good that the big man upstairs would probably give them a, a better life in the next life. Things that are platitudes and just things that we say to help our children and loved ones, just comfort in the moment. But they are lies. There is no cloud sitting and harp playing after this life. There is still kingdom work to be done for those that are believers. Yet there is eternal suffering for those that are not. I say that to you today to remind you that, friends, we have the truth. And there are so many that do not know the truth. And you and I stand in the gap to be the only voice that they may hear that speaks the truth. So who are we to keep this message to ourselves? Today's message is to the church, the believer, primarily. But it is a reminder of how very important for us that it is for us to obey the call of God, to try our best to tell people about, about the Lord and about his love for them about his plan for them to give them hope in eternal life. So if this question brings confusion, consider for a moment, who do you know that can't answer that question upon asking it? It sounds silly, but sometimes in our, you know, the movies and television shows or whatever the case may be, or even maybe in your own life, when you've had a little bit too much to drink or you're maybe you're under the influence of some type of a drug or something, as strange as it seems, that's when you begin to ask these existential questions. Hey, man, 
you think about heaven? Me and you will go there, right? You know, these kinds of silly little anecdotal things that we see people asking. But it's not funny for me to have to preach a funeral and for the family to look at me and say, we're just not sure. Because this preacher won't preach them into heaven. It isn't a game, church. Jesus is the only hope for eternal life. I pray desperately for you that if you don't already have a relationship with him, trust me, you need one. If you know someone who does not and you've been sitting on the truth, please, for the sake of their eternity, tell them about Jesus. When you think about your life, if you could somehow navigate in such a way where you could have a last conversation with those that you love. Unfortunately, that's not the reality for us because death comes at different times. And the scripture says that it is appointed unto all once to die. So all of us are going to face this reality unless the Lord returns in our lifetime. But if you could have a conversation with someone, you probably would be very careful about the words you would say. What would you leave with them? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see this final conversation with the resurrected Jesus and his followers. What was the last thing he told them? Acts chapter 1, 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me remind you that you cannot do anything for the kingdom without the power of the Holy Spirit. Sure, you can do good things or good deeds, but good deeds are not going to do anything in the eternal scale. They may, may even make you feel good for the moment, but at the end of the day, they will not last. But when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in, one, in, verse, one, in verse 8, chapter 1, Jesus goes on to say, you will be my witnesses. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? To be witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In the military, we have this concept of hurry up and wait. That people would rush to be in position to be set out and to be commissioned to do something and they could not do that, but they were ready, on the ready at any given moment. And so the apostles, having this conversation with Jesus, he was basically telling them, hurry up and wait. Go and wait for the Holy Spirit, but as soon as you get it, be ready to move. There's also another concept, and I'm using military analogies because that's kind of where we're going today. Another concept of orders that you cannot, as a soldier, as a Marine, as a sailor, or even as a flyboy. Is that what they call Air Force? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry. What do they call Air Force? Airmen. Airmen. There we go. That sounds better than flyboy, I think. That's more appropriate, I feel. 
Is it still airman or is it airperson? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we ain't going down there. Stop. Class. Sorry. <laughs> That's my middle school substituting days. I'm taking it. Anyway, there's this idea of orders that you cannot do anything without the piece of paper that says, now go do this. And it sounds very strict because it is. You see, but Jesus is giving them the orders. Go wait, get the Holy Spirit and be filled with that power and then you're ready. You see, because at the end of the day, sometimes it's just all about timing. I, I don't want you to have any excuses by the end of our time here today. Well, I've talked to that person before and they never respond. Well, maybe you're not listening to the Holy Spirit on the timing of the matter. In John 14, 12, Jesus declares that you will do greater things. How could we do greater things if we're not even starting with the main thing? Jesus in this verse in 1, 8 says he gives the measure, he gives the method, he gives the means to do these greater things. Holy Spirit, witness, the measure is everywhere. Our call today is what is our mission as believers? What is our mission as the church? Our mission is to tell people about Jesus everywhere. Can I tell you that everywhere starts with somewhere? I can't go to the mission field, but yeah, but you can go down the road. The word mission is defined as specific or special task assigned to a person or a group. The one who assigned this mission is Jesus himself in that last conversation. Today we will start with the mission. The first place, Jerusalem, the city, the closest area where they would be. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that they were in Jerusalem when they received the Holy Spirit. So it makes complete and total sense that they would start where they were. I know this is deep theologically. You with me? Where do you live? Start there. I would even bring it back a couple of notches. Don't even go outside the house. If your house ain't in order, you can't go out outside the house and make anything in order. If you're in the house doing something you shouldn't be doing, then how are you going next door to lead somebody to Jesus when you're over here playing games with them? Oh, Let somebody else finish this one. Hmm. Can I tell you that we've got to get fed up with people going to hell? It is not okay for us to stand by any longer. Well, let's just wait for the world to fall apart. Okay, here we are. I mean, from what I'm reading, we're on the brink. But we have a message of hope. In a world that's hopeless, can I tell you, that's the message that we need to bring. Jesus is giving this instruction for all that were there that day. If you look at Jesus' disciples, they had different personalities and different leanings and different life experiences and jobs before they became one of his disciples. And he didn't say, you two are really good at witnessing, so you two are going to go and get the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses. No, this was for everybody. 
You see, in the Marine Corps, they have this idea as you go through boot camp, they tell you that everyone is first infantry. And then you have a secondary job or a secondary role. Mine was a truck driver. Now, it's interesting enough, and they had a lot of trust in me, and I kind of began to ask the question. I signed up to be a truck driver. I put it on my little application thing and, and turned it in and took the test, and, and here I am. I'm accepted as a truck driver, and they never asked me about my driving record. Here I am, a little 18-year-old man, been wrecking cars for all of my two years that I've been driving. Extensive history, experience. But I learned after all the training and after all the teaching and different things that I went through, they gave me these vehicles to drive. And then I learned that it didn't matter because they're armored anyway. <laughs> so it's almost like they wanted me to run into stuff. Like this guy be really good. He'll run into everything. <laughs> Watch out, enemy. <laughs> we got Andrew driving. <laughs> It was, there's something about running into a tree and it just going, you just keep on rolling. But the idea was simply this. I bring all that to say that I was first infantry before I was a driver. And they even had this whole thing of combat training that everybody had to go through so they could say, everybody's infantry before you're anything. Before you think you're just a cook, you're going to learn how to fire that weapon and to fight in that battle. Now, the reason why I say that is because you may be sitting here to say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I, I'm not an evangelist. I can't do it. Can I tell you that every believer that has decided to follow Jesus Christ, their first and foremost assignment is the assignment of telling people about Jesus. You are all evangelists in his mind. In the mind of the Father and the assignment of Jesus Christ and of the power of the Holy Spirit, you all have a role to play in telling people about Jesus. And then you might be a, a preacher or a teacher or you might be someone who serves in different areas of the ministry. But guys, we cannot miss the main thing. So how does this relate to us? Well, the mission is evangelism, to tell people about Jesus. Continuing on with this military analogy, we need to figure out who Jesus is calling us to target by, number one, identifying that target. Identifying that target. Acts chapter 26, verse 17. It says, I will rescue you. Speaking, Jesus was speaking to Paul. He was telling this story. It says, I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Can I tell you, that the assignment of the evangelist and the Christian today, I believe, is much easier than it's ever been. Because when things are good, it's hard to point around and say, hey, things are bad, you need Jesus. But can I tell you, when the world is in such turmoil and such pain, our assignment is, hey, look around. But I know the one that can still give you hope in the middle of it. Amen? I'm telling you, 
The bad things of the world, if anything, are catapulting the gospel forward, not slowing it down. Identify the target. Let's start with nearby. They were to do the assignment of evangelism in the city. All of us have a sphere of influence that we operate in. Maybe call it your world, your city, whatever it might be, your workplace, your neighborhood, your school. Who around you needs the message of the gospel? Who around you needs to be told about Jesus nearby? How about needy? Now, before you think I'm calling someone needy as an insult, I'm going to tell you right now, you were needy of the gospel before you found Jesus. The apostles would walk the streets and find someone laying there lame and say, hey, silver and, good have, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to thee, rise and walk. You see, when we find the people that have a need and there's something within them that's missing, then we have an opportunity and an open door to share with them about Jesus. And let me remind you that your story is not just for you. He saved you, snatched you out of some stuff. You can go and say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me because maybe you're facing the same thing. You identify that target simply by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to reach this person. Well, the second thing that you do is intercede for that person, that target. It may sound insensitive to use the language of target, but can I just tell you something? If you don't know what you're pointing at, then what are you pointing at? Put a bullseye on it and say, Jesus, you're going to use me to reach that one. Intercede for them. Specific prayer. Mark chapter 10, we see Jesus encounter a blind man. I love these encounters that Jesus had because he doesn't assume anything. Blind Bartimaeus, blind, blind Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man over. Cheer up, they said. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. I, I can't, I got to say it. So can you picture that scene? I wonder, he's blind, right? I wonder if he ran into anybody on the way to Jesus. That's how my mind works. I'm sorry. Can you see? Have you ever seen a blind man run? That's what I'm talking about. Can I tell you the scripture says that laughter is like medicine for the soul? So can you picture it? Hey, he's calling you. Runs. I imagine it's a pinball kind of thing all the way to Jesus. Are you with me? And like, oh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. <laughs> but can I tell you? When you don't care, when you're so focused on the hope that Jesus gives, then you don't care who you're going to run into on the way. Oh, I just picture my mind. Blind Bartimaeus, he was done caring. He said, come, okay. He was on his way. Love it. Anyway, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Blind Bartimaeus said something very deep, very thoughtful. I want to see. I mean, we're looking at it and saying, duh. But it's a reminder to us that 
while God knows your heart and he knows everything in your mind and he knows everything that you need before you need it, you need to be in a position to ask him anyway. God, you know my needs, meet them all. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you, interceding for that person is a specific prayer. God, I pray you'd help me to reach this person and open a door in this timeline. Help me do something for you. Serious prayer, Matthew 7 reminds us that we are to intercede. We are to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. The third thing is to engage your target. You've already identified them and made a connection. You've already prayed for them, and now you're asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. When and where am I going to be able to be used in the plan of salvation for this precious person? Well, first, you've got to begin by creating space. Raise your hand if you're busy. Raise your hand if you're busy, if life is busy. Raise your hand if life is busy. Man, some of y'all aren't busy. Listen, I got some stuff I need y'all to do. See me after service. Isn't that the thing of our world today? Everybody's busy. And we go, how's life? Oh, it's busy, you know. I mean, we got all this going on. We're all busy. But can I tell you, sometimes we need to create space for what really might matter. Did you know the number one invention that took away the social parameters of our neighborhoods is the garage? We pull in, we pull in, we go in our homes without ever having to interact with anybody. Now let me have confession time with you. If you've done this, then you're no better than me. You walk out your door or you look out the window and the neighbor's out there. You go back in. (laughs) What you doing? I thought you was leaving. Yeah, but they're out there right now. I got to wait a minute. I know none of y'all do that. I know none of y'all do that. (laughs) But we really do have to create that space to be genuine and make a serious connection with someone. You know, non-church going people right now on Sunday morning at 12 in the afternoon, they're at home making connections with neighbors that are also at home. Where are y'all? Sitting in a room full of the hope of Jesus. So I wonder, maybe maybe they could come with you next time because you didn't wait for them to go back inside. (laughs) Me too, me too. I'm coming forward at the end of the service when I call you forward. I'm gonna come down here myself. But maybe, maybe Jesus is coming soon. And maybe we've got to have a serious talk with ourselves about reaching the lost. Another way to engage our target is we create space, but we also convey true interest in who they are. God himself came to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 18 of Isaiah and said, come, let us reason together. Let's have a conversation You see, if God is not too busy to have a conversation with Isaiah, then you are not too busy to have true interest in someone that the Lord may be using you to reach. To have a conversation with them. Oh, they they never go to church. Well, that's exactly why you should be connecting with them. 
Oh, I've shared my faith with them before. I've invited them a dozen times. Can I just tell you? Me too. Oh, if I had a nickel. Yeah, I, I, yeah church sounds great. I'll be there next week. Mm-hmm. It's one of, can we just love them like Jesus did? Can I tell you, he, he hadn't given up on me and he hadn't given up on you, so who are we to give up on somebody? <laughs> I st- I stood here after the service and someone came up to me and was sharing about a family member. And can I tell you, I have have given up on people I shouldn't have given up on. And God reminded me that you've got to keep praying and keep fasting and keep reaching because I'm not done yet. Friends, I want to bring it home with this. We all have this assignment to tell people about Jesus. It's not as scary as you think. Can I just tell you, if you can get over that hump of sharing your story, that is what will open doors for lives to change. If you just say, let me tell you about my experience. Back to that question, what happens when you die? What happens when you die? If those that you love, that you know, that may live right around you can't answer that question with authority, then your assignment is clear. Tell them about Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? So Lord, I pray you'd open our hearts again. May we lean in this morning. May we run after you. May you fill us with an anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that we would tell everybody everywhere about you, Lord Jesus. May we own that assignment and walk in that conviction. Open our eyes even right now. May every single person in this room know their assignment. Who are you calling them to reach? And God, I pray you'd go ahead of us, that you would break the heart that has been hardened for many years, that you would open the spiritual eyes of the blind, that they may open to receive this gospel message. Lord, may you use the people in this room as a mighty army to do kingdom work. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Two things. Up here, there is kits, evangelism kits. It basically tells you how to share your faith if you want to know how to share your faith. If you're unsure about that, it also has some resources for you to share with people. They can go to a website. They can find out more. It just makes it so much easier for you to have these tools and these resources. The young adult ones are the colorful ones, and then the blue ones are uh, the, the regular ones. And we have Espanol kits down here on my left and your right. Second thing is at the info center, we've got these little touch cards. They look just like this. They say, Pastor, I don't know, man. I I don't know if I can say the right things. Well, the very first, the the very minimal that you could do, and we encourage you to do, is say, hey, join me for service sometime and just slip them this card and invite them to come and worship with you. You'll have preachers that will come up and say, don't bring them to me and, and let me lead them to faith. You do it. I'm going to say it this way. You do it and bring them to me too. Listen, I'm okay with it. 
Listen, I know that the Holy Spirit's going to move in this room, and I know he's going to move in your heart, and I know that the, this very day, God's going to give you somebody that you're called to reach. Amen? And guess what? However many people are in here right now, I don't know, a couple dozen or something, however many people right now, we're going, God's going to use you to reach that many people this week. Amen? Do you believe that God can use you? Yes? Amen. Lord, may you bless them and make them bold and do great and mighty things through the lives of these people that someone's eternity will change in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you as you go.